I was thinking about what we're going to do for February. And um, this idea came to my mind talking about what is love. It's a subject that's not taught on enough. And, you know, I wanted to teach on it, obviously, because February is Valentine's Day, right? February, February 14th. But if we're being honest, man, we need a reteaching on this often. Like, we need to be taught on this often, okay? I'm looking forward to the conversations that we're able to have this month on this subject, and that's kind of the tone of what I want us to be, right? I want to have the tone of a conversationalist with you. I don't want to be preaching at you, but I want to be talking with you. That's kind of the, 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 the tone I'm going for in this, right? Because as we talk about love, right, sex, affection, things of that nature, Sometimes those uh, conversations can get uncomfortable because they're sensitive topics. So I want to talk to you about those things, not preach at you about those things. I want to give you biblical definitions about these things. All right, so this month we're going to teach about two different sermons on this sermon title called What is Love? And each one is going to be followed by a group week, right, that we always have the next time. But tonight's message is called Love Proper, right? Love Proper. The next sermon we get to do is going to be love improper, okay? But tonight, uh, we're going to talk about love proper. And our understanding of love is so misconstrued and so selfish, right? We have no understanding of what real love is because we have no understanding of what biblical love is. Proper love is. It reminds me of this story, right? Of this woman who wrote this love letter. And, And it started as this. My dearest Jimmy, All right, who writes like that? If somebody writes your letter like that, you need to depart from them quickly, right? <laughs> My dearest Jimmy. <laughs> Thank you. No words could ever express my great unhappiness. This is way too proper. I've felt since breaking our engagement. Please say you'll have me back. No one could ever... <laughs> no one could ever take your place in my heart. So please forgive me. I love you. I love you, Jimmy. Yours truly, Marie. P.S. Congratulations on winning the lottery. XO. XO. (laughs) Look, guys, it's funny. It's funny. But let's be honest. Let's be honest. Let's look in the mirror. The way in which we love others is very selfish, like Marie, right? Marie just wants to cut a Jimmy's, Jimmy's money. We need to go get her a gold shovel. Gold shovel. Look, I say that it's a funny story, but I'm getting at a point here, right? I'm getting at the point that we are misconstrued in our understanding about love. And our love is a very selfish thing that we give other people. It's about who I am and about what we're doing. But my goal for this next month is to paint a biblical picture about what love is. A biblical picture about love is so that way we may know how to love and know how to give love and how to be loved. Look, next lesson, we're going to talk about love improper and things may get a little more uncomfortable as we talk about those things. But I want us to be prepared to hear from God as we really look into this subject of love. You see, we were made in the images of God, right? We were made in the images of God. And so that means we we must expect a certain level of devotion and love. 
But you know what else that also means? Other people were made in the image of God. And we must know how to love them. So let's study. Our scripture tonight comes from 1 Corinthians 13. It's the whole chapter. And it's going to be tonight's, it's the whole series uh, scripture. So let's read. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And I have, if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. For when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man or an adult, I gave away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but the face to face, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then shall I know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. Three these, these three. But the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. Guys, these first few scriptures, Paul's painting a picture of what the religious agenda would like, right? To prophesy, to speak in the tongues of angels, to to have the faith to move mountains. But Paul says something really, really magnificent there. He says, regardless if you're able to do these things, but you have not love, you have nothing. If you have these uh, uh, abilities to do something and you have not love, you have these abilities on your own apart from God because God is love. He goes on to say, though, that, that if we want to know what love is, then he gives us an achievable goal, right? He gives us an achievable goal, and we're going to study that achievable goal in hopes that we can understand how we need to be expected to be loved and how we can love others. So let's learn. And that first point I want to make is this. Love proper, patient, and kind. Patient and kind. Proper love is not insistent and rude. It is patient and kind, right? This patience I speak about is not merely about one aspect, but it's multi-layered. It has many realms. You see, proper love is a love that does not push to break uh, uh, push one to break what God has called good and what God has anointed. Instead, that proper love walks hand in hand with a person towards what God, what God calls good. Excuse me. I'm tired of sitting. It does not uh, uh, pull someone away from God. It walks with them to God. Let me put it this way. A person that pushes you. It pushes you to go against what you know is right, what you know that God has called you to do, what you know that the word says that you to do. That person does not love you. Honestly, honestly, maybe not consciously, but honestly, if a person that you know is pushing you to walk away from God, right? 
If a person that you know is pushing you to walk away from God, they're not showing you acts of love. It's an act of hate. It's an act of hate. A person that loves you doesn't try to separate you from God. A person that loves you does not try to separate you from God. And pulling you away from what God has called you to be and called you to do is doing just that. Separating you from God. Separating you from God. If I'm the impatient person, right? If, if, if I'm the impatient person and I'm pulling somebody away from God, maybe I haven't been doing it consciously, but I hope tonight you are aware of your actions. That God calls us to love like he loves, and the love that he loves is patient and kind. But if you're being impatient and rude and pulling someone away from God, then you, my friend, do not love that person. You hate them. You hate them. And it might not be consciously, but you do. If I'm that person receiving that, if I'm the person who is being pulled away from God by the actions of another person that says they love me, I want you to understand right now that that's not love. It's not. It's emotions. It's feelings. It's affection. It's intimacy. But it's not love. For love is patient and kind. Love does not separate you from God, but instead walk hand in hand with you to God. Can I give a little story? I want to give a little story. I'm going to give it anyway, even if you don't want me to. Um, when I, before I became a follower of Jesus Christ, I was an enemy of Jesus Christ, okay? And if we all are honest with ourselves, that was your state too, right? I was a, not a lover of God, I was a hater of God, okay? But when I came to know God, I told him that I was going to give myself to him. Not just my gifts and my actions and my abilities to talk or whatever it may be, but instead I was going to give him myself, okay? I was going to be pure and give him myself because I kept seeing that that's what he called me to do. All right. And I was going to do that until the point that I became married because before that I had not been that way. I, like I said, I was an enemy of God. Okay. And so months later, months later, a year and a half later, I meet this woman that God lined me up in my life. A woman that has the same focus, agenda, the same patience and kindness that God was trying to build up in me, right? We had been dating for a little while, and look, man, I, I wanted to treat her right, right? I wanted to treat her nice, and we had been doing things the right way. And I told Darren, I said, I said, we're going to go to Disney World, right? I bought her a trip to go to Disney World. If anybody knows anything about Disney World, it is it's fun, yeah, but what else is it? Expensive, bro. I was a barista. I'm not making a ton of money. I can't, I can't be doing it like that. And so, look, we had been walking with the Lord with each other on the same goal, right? And so I bought her, I bought her this trip. We're going to go to Disney World that next summer. And it was like October when this happened. It's November because it was her birthday. And um, she comes to me the next week and she's like, look, Kate, I, I'm so happy we're going to go to Disney World. But if I'm being honest, I don't feel comfortable staying in the same room, all right? I bought. I was like, look, I've got two beds. Come on, we're on the separate sides of the room. We're good, right? Like, I was being deceived of myself. I'd let something come inside of me, and even though my, my, my desires were not to do something that was wrong, right, I was going to give room for the enemy to come in there, okay? 
And so I was mad when she told me that, honestly. You know, I was not as mature in my faith now as I am now. So I was kind of aggravated. And what, what's the first thought that I have? What? You don't, you don't, don't trust me? All right. I was wrong. Oh, uh, that later on that week, I was talking to a friend of mine, a friend that is youth pastor in this community, and he's going to bring his youth over here when we do our spring revival at the end of the month. But I was talking to him, and I was telling him the story, man, and I was aggravated, and I'm just kind of venting to him, and he looks at me square in the face, right? He looks at me square in the face, and he says, Cade, can a man take fire into his bosom and not be burned? Okay? What he means by that, can you lay in coals and not have burns? Can you play with fire and not get burned? As soon as he said that, it was like I, I understood what he's talking about. He's, he's quoting scripture to me. It was a scripture his grandmother told him when he was young and faced the same situation. Okay? As soon as that happened, I, I called Darren. I said, don't worry. I, ordered, I, I got a second room. All right? I got a second room. I say all that to say, look, I, it, it, sometimes it's hard. And sometimes you might not even have the motives of being impatient and being rude, but you got to be aware of the enemy that wants to slip in and tear apart what God's trying to do that's special, okay? Okay, next point. Love proper rejoices in the truth. In order to give or receive love, we must first love God's truth. This statement, right, is in contrast to the last negative that is said in 1 Corinthians 13. It says this. If I can find it. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, referring to love as it. But instead, it rejoices with the truth. Love rejoices with the truth. So in contrast with that love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but instead it rejoices in the truth. We must, we, we must see that in order to love properly, we must love God. We must love God. So what does the opposite of that mean? Right? Proper and anointed love between two people means that they both love God first. And they love God more than they love each other. They love God more than they love each other. I want to speak like a story from Job, but I'm also speaking on my behalf too. Right? That, that Job was a man that lost everything. Right? He lost everything. And I have to, and I, and I, I proclaim this because I really believe it, that if I lost everything, as terrible as that would be, the people that I love, the job that I have, my ministry, my uh, family, my wife, but I still had God. I have to consider my life a gain because God has to weigh more than any of that. He has to weigh more than any of that because of that love of the truth of God. Because of that devotion to God, I'm able to love Darren properly. So I say again, in order to receive or give love, we must first love God's truth. And to love God's truth is to hate wrongdoings, is to hate bad things, is to hate the opposite of God. I heard a sermon one time that says, love what God loves, hate what God hates. People are like, God hates stuff? There's another sermon. Yes. Okay. Love what God loves, 
hate what God hates. To rejoice in the truth is to love what he loves and hates what he hates. Lastly, love proper, love never fails. You see, in order to give or receive love, we must first be partakers in God's unfailing love. In God's unfailing love. Don't get me wrong. I want you to hear me out real quick. Don't get me wrong. I don't want you to think what I'm saying is, is when who you really love or who really loves you will never fail you. Because, man, that ended the day Adam ate the apple. All right. We talked about that a few weeks ago on Sunday morning, about the sin that we inherit from the mistakes of our forefathers. You will be let down. You will be let down. But what's so special about love that never fails is God's love never fails. God's love never fails. The apostle stops his segment in the description of love to say this statement, love never ends. Or other translations, they say love never fails. Fails. He, he's not saying that, look, if you're able to love, then you're never going to fail. No, that's an impossibility. With God, though, all things are possible, but the love that's never going to fail is the love that God has for you. 1 John 4.19 says this, We love because he first loved us. So, in order for me to genuinely and biblically and properly love someone else... I have to have God's love within me. It's a prerequisite. And I want to end on this note, guys. I want to end on this scripture. And I want to talk about God's love for us for just a second. Right? The gospel message of Jesus Christ. John 15, 13 says that no greater love than this for someone than a friend to lay down his life. There's no greater love than for someone to lay down their life for a friend. First John also says that those who are children of God are friends of God. God laid down his life for us. There's no greater love than that. It's called agape love. It's the love that sacrifices oneself on the behalf of another person. If we want to look and see how to properly love, then we have to look at the image and the 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 the, the Love that God laid down. For there's no greater love than that. Than a man that would lay down his life for his brother. So as we close, I want us to think about that. I want us to think about the sacrificial love that God had for us. That, that he would lay down his life on the behalf of those that would believe him so that they could have eternal life. He would separate himself from the Father to come down to this corrupt, disgusting world so that way us, corrupt, disgusting people, may have righteousness. That's beautiful. That's amazing. That's love. That's love. Bow your heads with me. Father God, Lord, thank you for your message of love. Lord, thank you that we see it all throughout your scriptures, Lord. Lord, your word says that, that, that we know that the love that you have for us, but because while we were still sinners, yet, Lord, you died for us. 
And that, that no greater love than a man that lays down his life for his friend, Lord. That friend is us. And the person that laid down his life was you. Lord, we acknowledge that. I pray if someone is here tonight and they've never acknowledged the reality of who you are, that they would do so tonight. That, that just the raising of their hand doesn't necessarily mean that their life is, is, is changed forever. But God, it is an action, it is a response towards your greatness. And if there's somebody here tonight that wants to do that, Lord, wants to take a step towards you that they've never done before, I pray that they would just do that right now by just lifting their hand so that way I can talk to them later. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.